Welcome to the official It's All Dead podcast. The music is dead. Long live the music. Welcome to the official It's All Dead podcast. This is podcast number two for us, and uh, we're coming live. This isn't live at all. We're just on the internet, and you're listening to it at your leisure, but... We're glad that you're here. My name's Kyle Hawk, and I'm here with Kyle Schultz all the way from Chicago. What's up? Howdy. And we are hitting the end of the year, kind of, almost. That means it's holiday time and all that neat stuff. And we figured what better time than now to talk about some of our favorite albums from 2013. And there's actually still a whole month of the year left, so you'll have to excuse us for completely disregarding any album that's going to come out in December, but tough luck that's their loss so yeah um and basically today we're just going to be chatting about uh, some of the albums that we thought were really incredible this year um and when we were you know um emailing back and forth about this beforehand there were two albums that we clearly agreed on they were both at the top of our lists and the first one was let lives the blackest beautiful um and i've talked your ear off about this album and i know you've talked to me a little bit about it but i wonder if you just start us off by telling us uh you placed that up at the top i don't remember if you put it at number one or number two but it was up there yeah i'm not too sure which uh, spot i had it in but it's definitely one of the most unique albums that came out this year it's uh the follow-up to the one they did a few years ago i think in uh 2011 for fake history and uh let lives one of those bands that hasn't really gotten a good foothold yet and they're just kind of in the outskirts of the scene and the Black is Beautiful is something that just kind of came out of nowhere. Even though I've known who they are, it kind of blindsided me. And uh, it's just it's something in the hard uh, community that really we don't see anywhere. It's blending all these different genres into one, and it's actually taking a political stance that doesn't seem douchey. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's awesome to hear a band that actually has something to say. And especially in a genre like the post-hardcore genre that's basically turned into, you know... It's and I'm not trying to bash every band because I love a lot of uh, post-hardcore music. But I mean, right now, if you want to hear a band that has anything to say other than "Man, it sucks. My girlfriend broke up with me," you have a hard time finding it. <laughs> like honestly, um, which is one of the reasons I loved Under Oath so much. And uh, have another band come along right after they've uh, broken up. And of course, they've been around longer than you know since Under Oath's broken up. I understand that, but they're kind of taking their place now um, as a band that people are actually taking seriously. Um, and I found out about them a few years ago. They were actually opening for um, an Under Oath tour, and I went to the show in Louisville, Kentucky, and um, Let Live was the opener. I had no idea who they were. They start off immediately. Jason Butler jumps down into the crowd and just starts like pushing people around and yelling, and I was like, what is going on right now? <laughs> they ended up putting on one like the most passionate sets i'd ever seen like I, I was just blown away i was like holy crap how have i never heard of this band what is going on right now and literally like any time they've come within you know a hundred mile radius of me since that day i've gone to see them i don't know how many times i've seen them now maybe five six times and every time i i do not regret it like it's just incredible holy hell yeah i've only seen them twice uh we saw them at warp tour and the one thing i've gotten from them is they're one of the few bands that actually have a message that I even care about. Yeah. It's, it's not a lot of bands that can actually make it a, a song about healthcare and actually make it interesting. <laughs> that is true. And like, it's amazing because, uh, you know, 
this album has a lot to say. Like it touches on a lot of topics and a lot of really important stuff. And it's not forced because like, if you listen to any interview that uh, Jason or the rest of the band do, like those guys are like really intelligent. They know what they're talking about. um, And they know exactly what they want to say. And I'm not trying to paint them as like perfect people here or something. They'll be the first to admit that they're fallible, but I think that's part of the message as well. Um, And just having a band come out um, with, this album saying what they're saying like it's it's exactly what this scene needs and it's it's too bad that still so few people are listening to them it's still weird like i know that they're starting to people are starting to pay attention to them but just as a whole i feel like there's still a ton of people that just don't know what's going on yeah they're they're definitely a uh, niche band but the thing is they have what i would consider like a super strong cult following yeah and if nothing else their live shows are make you an instant convert. I, yeah. I know the few times we've seen them, the first time when I saw them with you, just the stage presence they have is beyond anything you're ever expecting from them, especially when you don't know who they are. Right. And they just go up and just attack. And then when we saw him at Warp Tour, what was he doing? He was tearing a, a Coke can to pieces and just cutting himself with it and like <laughs> spreading this blood over his face. Yeah. <laughs> That's wild. Something That's like, like that. a... <laughs> That's just a normal day in the life of Let Live. Um, and it's funny because when Warp Tour, like Warp Tour, that's where they, there was a crowd there. Like people are starting to pay attention. And when you were with me that first time, they were opening for uh, the Divorce Product. And Every Time I Die, it was still one of those shows where people are literally just standing there like, what is going on right now? <laughs> it's fun to watch people who have never seen them before watch them for the first time. Um, it's kind of a fun experience. Um, and so I remember that day at Warp Tour, we talked about this and I wanted to get I, I was undecided at the time. I wanted to get your uh, see what your feelings on it were. Now, what do you? What is the best track on the Blackest Beautiful? Um, I, th- I think Dreamers Disease is really good. Uh, White America's Beautiful Black Market is awesome. Uh, I think that one might actually be one of my. It's I don't know. It's definitely in the running for my favorite. I'm really partial to the second track, Empty Elvis, but that's because that's kind of the most straightforward rock song they have on there yeah i don't know i get caught up in that one a lot so it's it's this is one that it's really hard to pick off of yeah you can listen from front to back and uh for me that's a big deal by the way i I haven't even expressed this yet i'm talking about how good this album is like it's probably the best album i've heard in several years like it's it's that good um a big thing for me if you want to be on the top of my end of the year list, which I don't think anybody does because who cares what I think. But if you want to be at the top of my end of the year list, it, you ha- I have to be able to listen to this album from front to back and not feel the need to skip. Like that's just, I know that's really weird and I don't know, there's probably exceptions to that rule, but The Black is Beautiful hits on that perfectly where I, I can listen to that album straight through, no problem. And I love listening to it in sequence. That's another big thing for me like this is a full album like every song has a purpose um but oh yeah i have decided uh my favorite song on this album is 27 club uh the closer um that song literally not only does it melt my face off but it just like it kills me (laughs) that song like i actually like really connect with that on a personal level in a way that kind of hurts um but yeah uh 27 club I i think is probably the best song of this year in my opinion Nice. Well, before we end up talking about Let Live the whole time, um, the next album, uh, the other one that we both strongly agreed on um, was The Wonder Years, The Greatest Generation. And I think this is the one that you put at number one. 
Yeah, if it's not a live, it's going to be this one. I can't remember what I uh, threw over at you, and honestly, I'm having a hard time deciding right now. But uh, to be completely honest, The Greatest Generation is hands down the CD I've listened to the most this year. Yeah. Um, uh, it's just one of those, it's perfect. It really is. If you've listened to The Wonder Years at all, you kind of know that uh, from the upsides to suburbia, I've given you all, if there's kind of a story print uh, progression that goes along there, mm-hmm. we can actually see some of the themes in the first album coming along into the second one and repeated uh, guitar parts and lyrics and stuff like that. And uh, The Greatest Generation is meant to be the capper for that. And the first time you listen to it, it kind of catches you off guard because it's, it's definitely a Wonder Years album, but it's just kind of tilted a bit where it doesn't sound in line with the other two. And it took me a couple listen tos to really finally get it. And then I honestly almost can't go back and listen to the other two CDs anymore. It's funny. I've had pretty much the exact same experience. And uh, when Spurbia came out, that hit me at a time in my life where that album like really meant a lot to me. Um, I, I really felt like he was writing from exactly the place that I was in. Um, and so that album kind of had a special place in my heart. So when The Greatest Generation came out, I was excited for it. And I heard people talking about, oh, this is the best album. This is the best album. It's going to blow you away. And I kept thinking, uh, I don't know. So I went into it a little bit skeptical. Like, I, I didn't expect it to be bad, but I didn't expect it to be my favorite album. And the first few listens, it wasn't. I thought, okay, it's another Wonder Years album. But the more I listened to it, the better it got. And I, I'm the same way. Like, I actually like it more than Suburbia at this point. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, Passing Through a Screen Door is the perfect song. It's yeah. just a hard rock song. It's perfect lyrics, and it's also probably some of the most deep cutting you can hear is, like, somewhere, if you're anywhere in your mid-20s and you feel even slightly lost in your life, that's the one that's going to hit you the hardest. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's pretty much <laughs> it's pretty much perfect um, in that respect. Which is cool for like those of us who still listen to this genre that aren't like in high school or something. Like it's kind of cool to have that. And I think that there's a, a theme here with the first two albums we brought up um, with "Let Live" and "The Wonder Years." These are two bands that aren't talking about the conventional topics that a lot of bands would use in 2013. They're bands that are like going a little bit deeper, um, digging at some nerves, you know. Um, and, and I think there's no uh, secret as to why they're at the top of this list. I mean, that's a big part of it. No, and even trying to think about it, I can't even really think of a single song through all the Wonder Seeds. I can't think of a single one where it's like a direct love song or something like that. It's always something just above and beyond what anyone else in the genre seems to be doing. Yeah, I agree. I mean, when it comes to pop punk right now, I mean, the Wonder Years have a stranglehold on it. Um, You know, and I think a lot of people, I I think most people probably agree with that at this point. Um, And that's not taken away from other bands that we love and have talked about at length, like Yellow Card or All Time Low or whatever. But I think it's clear that um, there haven't been any big missteps for the Wonder Years so far. I mean, they've literally gotten better with every album. And it's kind of scary because you think like, holy crap, if if the greatest generation is this good, like I have no idea what they're going to do next to top it. Even if they fuck up on another one, I honestly can't even wait to hear that. It's just, <laughs> honestly, they, they just can't do any wrong. And uh, Greatest Generation has unseated possibly my all-time favorite song of uh, Constantine by Something Corporate with I Just Want to Sell Up My Funeral. I mm. can't describe how much I love that song. It's just a seven, seven and a half minutes of just perfect writing. Right. 
Okay, and I'm going to be a geek here for a minute, but that's another thing about these first two albums. They are full, complete albums. Like, there's not any just random songs that are stowaways on either of these albums. The Greatest Generation is complete from front to back. It tells a story. That closer is incredible. Like, it, it pretty much ties their those three albums together. Like, it's kind of the perfect finish to all of it. Not only does it tie the first three albums together, but it goes... It has its own song for like the first half, and then the second half of it is just a rehashing of. It's a medley of all the songs on this record, and the first time you hear it, if you're just kind of barely listening to it, it kind of catches you off guard because you don't don't know what to expect. And then the more you go through it, it's just them coming to acceptance with who they are. Yeah, and they, they just keep punching that uh, that idea into you. Yeah, absolutely, um, incredible. So those are our clear cut one and two. Place them whichever way you want top of the list albums um and so now we'll get into the things that maybe we don't agree so much on maybe we're going to argue about these i don't know we'll see what happens (laughs) the first one i know we we've talked about this quite a bit on our own time i know that you weren't the biggest fan of it but paramore's self-titled album uh it's it's right up there for me i love it um it's in my opinion it's their best album so far and i know you disagree with that um so go ahead and tell me your thoughts well, the thing for me is just, I don't know, I honestly, I've gotten into it more the longer it's been out, and I've kind of gone back to it periodically, but just, I don't know, it, it just wasn't what I wanted from a Paramore album. Like, I really enjoy the fact, for what it is, for uh, the Farrow Brothers leaving and them having to craft their own songs and their own genre without him, it's amazing that they could do this, but it's just it's not the sound I wanted from a Paramore CD. And I don't know, they didn't follow any of the kind of themes I was expecting with it, anything like that. It's just, it has some good songs on it, but overall it was just disappointing to me. Well, I mean, here's my thing with it. Um, One, you talked about the Farrell brothers leaving. I don't think there was any question about the role that they played in that band. Um, And you could have easily convinced me that Paramore would have been, done as far as being like a a real impact band in the scene and i know they have a crazy fan base that love just about everything they do but i you would not have convinced me that they could write what in my opinion was their best album after that split but they did like that's first of all that's impressive and second of all the number of different genres they touch on like i for me the reason i love it so much is because it's not what i would expect from paramore like ain't it fun uh, is a song that is not what I would expect from Paramore. Like it's kind of almost like one of those kitchen sink songs. It's kind of a, a straightforward pop rock song, but there's a choir in there, and it's kind of perfect. Like it, it's amazing. It might be my favorite Paramore song ever. Um, and if you want like the pop punk sort of thing, you've got that and songs like Still Into You. Um, if you want like ballads, there's that. If you want like stripped down acoustic tracks, there's that. And the thing is, like, they did all that and still made it feel like a cohesive unit, which is something that I thought was uh, pretty impressive. Um, and this is, keep in mind, this is coming from a guy who, and I, I enjoy every single one of their albums. Um, they haven't put out anything I don't like. I just felt like this one was their most mature album, which shocked me because I didn't think they could pull it off after Josh and Zach left the band. That's true. I think, I don't know, for me, it didn't really feel cohesive. It's just... They go through so many genres, I don't feel like it kind of sticks together as well as it should. And I think the other problem I have with it is, no matter how hard I try, whenever I hear it, I can only think of, like, Rilo Kiley and uh, Jenny Lewis singing. <laughs> well, that's uh, 
I, I imagine there's a lot of people that share that same sentiment. As a matter of fact, I know there is. Um, but I, I, I think to their, to their credit, um, not only did they do this, but they're still, I, I still cannot believe like the radio play that they're getting. Like they, they are a band that kind of refuses to let go of that spotlight. Cause in this scene like that, it, it goes pretty quick unless you're someone like fallout boy or my chemical romance. And they've, they've really made a name for themselves. Um, Oh yeah, I can't believe how big it, they got with this because I know even before this they were still pretty big, but um, after Brand New Eyes, I mean, they just kind of dropped off the radar for a while, and that's a killer to bands in this scene. If you're not constantly in it, you're going to be forgotten really quickly. And they came out of here and uh, or they came back with this album, and they exploded in a way I did not even uh, anticipate in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, it's been wild for sure. So, um, from one self-titled to the album, one self-titled album to the next, um, I'll let you take up, uh, our next album on the list here. All right. So, uh, the other one, other CD that really impressed me was Saves the Day's self-titled album. And, uh, this is one I've been following for probably about a year now. They went through, um, not Kickstarter, but something similar to it that escapes me at the moment, but it was, uh, something where they had fans donate money to them to kind of help record the album. And, uh, you know, you had prizes for whatever, how much you donated. And it was an interesting process for me because I uh, chipped in $10 just to get the download. But just seeing, like, how much they interacted with the fans while the, the recording process was going on uh, really kind of helped build the anticipation to it. And usually when I'm anticipating an album, I'm let down in some way. And Saves a Day came back with a... Uh, probably the best album they've had since um, Stay What You Are, which was released in, like, 2001, maybe? Well, this is uh, an interesting wrinkle, because I, I didn't know um, that you had helped support the album. Um, my my fe- I don't have any strong feelings about the album either way. Um, I don't love it. I don't hate it. It's just kind of, it's okay. Um, I, I don't think it's their worst work, I mean, at all. I know a lot of people have really struggled with this album for some reason, but... Um, I, you know, I think it's good for what it is. Now, I've never directly supported like a, a, a musical project through like Kickstarter or something like that. But like I, you know, uh, supported Zach Braff's new film. And so like I've had that investment where I've had the emails coming in. He's been like really cool about keeping people very involved with what's been going on in the process. So that's been a really cool experience for me. So I'm wondering how much that, like, let's say that you didn't do that. You didn't, you didn't invest in the album up front. You didn't get information about what was going on in the process and it just came out and you popped in and listened to it. Do you feel like that would have changed your opinion about it or would you have still felt the same way? Uh, I may have felt a little less inclined towards it. You terrible detective, but um, I still really enjoyed it for what it was. Like it's just, I've been a Saves Day fan for a long time, and uh, they've been doing this trilogy since 2005 that just got darker and darker and darker. And after like six years of just depressing music and just hard, harder rock than they normally do, and just lyrics that cut deep, they came back with something really happy for once. And it, I don't know, it's just a punch to uh, their entire discography because it was just a nice welcome back to what feels like a classic Saves Day album. Yeah, and I, you know, I, the funny thing about Saves the Day, they, they're in that 
they're in that spot and they have been for a while where you've got basically two camps of people. You got the camp of people that love Chris Connolly and will worship anything he puts out. And then you've got this other camp of people who want them to write through being cool again, even though if they did that, like they would hate it because it would be like, sound really stupid for these guys to write that album now. So like there's certain like newfound glory i think is another band in that where you've got this group of people that want them to write the old stuff or like sound like it used to even though they don't they don't really want that they just don't know that they don't want that yeah well it seems that has almost been notorious for that where they've either had people that are just in love with the band or more than almost anyone else they do are they really split people down the sides like uh even coming up um there's this suburban legend that says during one of uh there's some festival going on and while they're on stage someone had a banner up that said saves the gay and uh what's his face from dashboard confessional would come up and just tore the thing to shreds during one of the songs so it's just one of the uh saves the day is just one of those bands that either you're on board or you're just kind of out in the netherworld there's i don't know it just seems to have that effect on people yeah, I had not heard that story. That's absolutely insane. <laughs> I don't understand human beings sometimes, but whatever. <laughs> Gosh. Well, um, the worst part about this, I can't believe I said what's his name from Dashboard Confessional. <laughs> yeah, Chris Caraba. Come on, man, get yourself together. For that's, God's sake, that's totally a thing. <laughs> I, I'm so sorry. That's all right. Um, so. Next up, we've got Fall Out Boy, Save Rock and Roll. Another album which I was okay with um, and you really loved. And we talked about this a little bit on the last podcast. um, And we talked about why you preferred it as opposed to Take This to Your Grave. Um, But talk a little bit about why it makes your list of best albums of the year. Now, um, I just love the writing for this. It's just, I think part of it is just the shock value that it's here. Like, no one knew they recorded it. They recorded a song with Elton John and no one knew they were doing it. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, it's just when it was announced, they had a single, they had a plan, and then they moved the record forward, and they already had a tour. Just everything just exploded from it. And part of the, I think part of it might just be the excitement that it arrived so quickly and no one saw it coming. Yeah. But part of it is just the reinvention of the band. Like, they, they're huge, and they're known for a very specific sound and a very specific style of writing. And they rewrote almost everything for it. Like, the lyrics are, I don't want to say vastly different from what they were writing beforehand, but they're, it's definitely a different style. And uh, the writing is more a pop, almost R&B style, whereas, like, almost everything they wrote before this is, you know, punk rock. So it's just something that they reinvented themselves after being down and out for years, and they came back stronger than ever. Yeah. And, you know, you do have a point because I, I, when it first came out, I was crazy about it. I was being obnoxious on social media about it. And it was, it was like that thing, like you're standing outside at a cookout, like having a conversation with somebody and all of a sudden someone says, look out. And then a football hits you in the face. That's what this album was like, because like all of a sudden, Hey, we're putting an album out. Hey, it's out. And it was like, Oh my gosh, like a new fallout boy album. And we didn't even know if we'd ever get one. And, um, so that was that initial shock value of it of like, Oh my gosh, it's here. Um, and I, I still do enjoy it. Um, it's just, it's not my favorite of theirs, and I, I felt like there was a little bit of filler on it. But the one one thing I will say, uh, well, there's there's two things we learned um, from this album. One, um, we learned from that studio picture that Patrick Stump is somehow a secret child of Elton John's, even though that's not possible in any way. Um, I don't know if you ever saw that photo, but they literally look like 
exactly alike, like father and son, and it's really creepy. Um, oh yeah, this is a decades-long conspiracy going back to the founding fathers that you and I are going to hunt down with our pet dog, Franker. <laughs> yeah. Stay tuned for the next podcast when we unreal un when we reveal the test results from <laughs> Elton John and Patrick Stump. Um, I've got a map and a baggie full of DNA. You're going to love it. <laughs> so, so there's that, and then. I, I had said before this album came out that we were going to find out if this scene matters. Um, and the reason I said that is because for a lot of people, Fall Out Boy is, is the face of this scene um, of the past decade, at least. Um, and I know Blink-182, and you could argue a lot of other bands as well, but um, for a lot of people, the I'm not saying... Just to know, I'm not saying a definitive thing here, but for a lot of people, Fall Out Boy is that band that is the face of this scene. So the question is, can they take this long of a hiatus and then come back out of nowhere, release an album, and still be relevant? And the answer was, without a question, yes. I mean, that <laughs> they're still playing, they're still going on. They were like on a show last week playing My Songs Know What You Did in the Dark, and it's like, how is this still possible? Like. Uh, I was at a, a Colts game recently, and the song was playing like every time before the kickoff. Like, Fall Out Boy still matters, and uh, the music of this scene still matters. Oh yeah, during the Stanley Cup Finals for the NHL, they're playing uh, "My Songs Know What You Did in the Dark" all the time. It was almost nonstop. Yeah, it just they came out of nowhere. They put themselves in, and just I don't know how it happened because they explode in a way that even legit artists like a legit art i don't know what the hell i just said uh <laughs> like even stuff like rihanna and stuff like that things you'd expect to be uh more in your face you know in terms of the radio and stuff they didn't even stand a chance to this yeah yeah and uh, the other thing i do want to point out that i love about this is patrick stump sounds better than he ever has um it's clear on this album it's clear every time you see a live performance like you look back and you can tell they'd hit that point where they they it didn't really look like they were having fun and especially Patrick like I uh, it just didn't seem like he was enjoying it his heart wasn't in it like now when you see him it's like holy crap like not only is he like become like this incredible incredible singer um, but he he really looks like he's enjoying every second of it which is pretty cool so. That is Fallout Boy, and um, so the next album, this one uh, was on my list, and um, it doesn't really fall within the bounds of this scene, but I'm bringing it up anyway. Um, it's Church's "The Bones of What You Believe," and um, is this an album? Have you listened to this album? I'm not gonna lie to you; I don't even know how to spell the band's name. <laughs> oh, Kyle, no, but it's a, it's okay because a lot of people still don't. Um, Church's is an indie um, electronic pop band i don't really know how to classify them i guess that's the best way to do it uh, and they they're a band that kind of came out of nowhere they re- had released a couple eps and made a name for themselves and then dropped uh this full-length album this year that just kind of blew me away um i i pay attention to indie rock when i can i guess <laughs> no i but this year there's been a lot of great bands there's been the 1975 there's been heim but churches um their release is amazing i love it in every way um they are uh, from Scotland, and they're incredible. The lead singer is this girl named uh, Lauren Mayberry, and um, she's kind of perfect on this album. Like her vocals are like kind of this sort of cute, innocent sort of sound, but like you can tell that she's like got some things to say, 
And it's really awesome because it doesn't seem to fit the idea of what this genre of music would normally bring because it is so poppy. Um, but that's the cool thing is that it's kind of, there's a lot of depth to it. And I uh, kind of love everything about it. So yeah. How do you like those apples? They smell delicious. So yeah, if you have not heard Churches yet, go listen to them right away. You will not be sorry you did. Um, so I guess from that we can hop over to uh, AFI's Burials, which is yours. So take it away. Um, yeah, AFI came back after a four-year hiatus. Uh, like I don't think they'd even played a show since 2011. No, 2010 maybe. And uh, they came back with Burials, which has honestly kind of split their fan base in half because either people really, really like it or they absolutely hate it. And Burials is a weird thing in that it brings back a lot of the darker edges that we saw with Sing the Sorrow a decade earlier, but um, it mixes all the genres they've ever done. You Like, you have the darkness of Sing the Sorrow, you have the electronics of uh, December Underground, and you have the pop of Crash Love. And I think AFI has gotten to a point where they're not so much trying to reinvent themselves with each album that they have been since, uh, like, 1998 or so. This, this is, Burials is more about putting together everything they've ever done and releasing something that really just kind of shows their skill as a band as a whole. Um, there's nothing on it that really forges new territory. It's just a bunch of really good songs. Uh, my only real problem with it is I feel like it's probably Davey Havoc's worst album lyrically hmm. and one of his all-time best uh, in terms of like his singing abilities. It's just... Most of his albums, he's known as like a poetic writer where he writes kind of abstract uh, lyrics. And this one, it's very direct. It's very straightforward and, well, I don't know, it kind of plays more into the standard pop album lyrically. So that's the only thing I can even say of that would be disappointing for it. But otherwise, it's absolutely fantastic. So correct me if I'm wrong on this, um, but this is the feeling I've gotten. And, and I do want to say also that since we... Um, launched the site last month your afi barrows review has been uh our top um review as far as page hits um people have really seen there seems to be an interest in that album um but correct me if i'm wrong here i feel like this album is an album that diehard afi fans people that love that band more than just like this surface level uh thing really enjoy burials for what it is but if you're just a casual afi fan who liked a particular album there's a whole lot and still goes to the shows or whatever maybe this isn't your favorite album of theirs is that would that be accurate that's actually very accurate and i feel like i don't know it's kind of it's one of those albums where when you hear it you almost can't really see how the songs would fit into uh like a concert like they all just kind of stand by themselves they don't really seem like they would mesh well with all the other songs that the band's produced, but um, I saw them at Riot Fest in Chicago and the few songs they played from Burials sound just perfect next to everything else they've ever done. And it's one of those things that once you start hearing it in terms of that, like you can kind of see how Burials is just a natural progression for the band that really is just part of everything they've ever done before. Yeah, and I know AFI has a pretty wild uh, live show um, so did people react to, how did you feel just at that concert, how people were reacting to the songs from Burials? Uh, people lost their shit, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> um, the lead single from the 
CD, I Hope You Suffer, has probably one of the craziest bass parts I've ever heard in music. They had, I don't know how loud it was, but it was loud enough. It's a very simple part that's maybe just a couple strings just done very slowly, but it was turned up so loud, I literally thought my head was going to like explode, like my eardrums <laughs> are going to burst from it. And there were people around me holding their ears and kind of like wincing at it, but just the impact it makes, you can feel it like deep in you, just uh, the strength that song has. Um, you know, it, they're crazy on stage and the crowd around them reacts to that. Uh, you know, like the day we saw them, it had been downpouring all day long. So the stage they were on was wet and muddy and slick and cold. And they were just running like across the stage like it meant nothing. And uh, Davey Havoc's really well known for picking his crowds. Like if there's a crowd that he's really excited by, he'll perform better for them. Like he's actually known for that. Right. And uh, just seeing him react to the crowd, he was walking on hands going out into the middle of the crowd while singing and just being held up by the audience. Is it's one of those things that when they come onto the stage, the audience uh, just goes crazy for him. So where would you say Burials lands um, as a, you being a huge AFI fan, where does that land um, as you kind of rank out the albums of theirs? Well, the thing is um, for me, I stand out a little bit in that I like their newer albums more than I do a lot of the old ones. So for me, this would be second behind Crash Love. And then okay. I think Sing the Sorrow would be behind Burials. Interesting. Which I'm probably going to be shanked for that. but <laughs> <laughs> No, it's okay. That's, that's, uh, that's an interesting ranking. So um, just if anyone's interested, uh, Kyle Schultz's address is... Oh, I'm just kidding. Um, so <laughs> we'll uh, move on to our last album on the list here. Um, and this one, Man Alive, I have literally gone back and forth on whether I wanted to discuss this album tonight or not, um, but we're going to go for it. Um, Bring Me the Horizon, Semp Internal. And let me, I, I've got I've got some splaining to do. I understand that. <laughs> and I'm going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> but So here's the thing. I, before, I've not... I'm not a Bring Me the Horizon fan. I've never been a huge fan of theirs. Um, but I, I do follow the metalcore genre um, quite closely. And for me, um, two years ago, The Devil Wars Prada put out Dead Throne. And I think a lot of people might agree with this. That album for me is the definitive album of this generation of metalcore. Like that, that sound um, that those bands do, The Devil Wars Prada nailed the coffin shut with dead throne like they absolutely if you're gonna do music like that you have to do better than that or it's not worth it's not worth doing um and the only exception i'll give to that is uh bless the fall put out hollow bodies this year and i thought it was pretty good it's it's the closest i've seen someone come to getting to that point since the devil was probably did that and so for me um, I'm really not interested in that style of music unless you're going to do something that's going to chain either completely change the direction of that genre or you're going to do it better than Dead Throne was. And I, I don't see that happening. So that brings me to this album. Bring Me the Horizon is one of those bands um, when they started out, people kind of pegged them and, and maybe rightfully so kind of pigeonholed them into being, you know, this band that does the chugga chugga, you know, deep growl vocals. Um, but they're a band that has grown a lot, uh, since they started out and, uh, a couple years, they, a couple years ago, they put out, um, uh, there's a hell and 
you could tell it, it changed a little. I mean, I, that one kind of made my eyebrows raise where I was like, oh, so maybe they, these guys can actually, uh, you know, they can make a good album. Um, but Sep Internal caught me completely off guard. Um, it, it, it's not what I would have expected from this band at all. Um, one, being someone who's one of the biggest Under Oath fans on the planet, to me, Sep Internal sounds like an album that Under Oath would have created had they kept going. It's got that vibe to it. Um, sure, you can call this album metalcore, but it's not really... I, I don't think that does it justice, because if you call it that, then you're lumping it in with a bunch of stuff that it's not. Um, it's the just the musical elements of it. Uh, the way that uh, Ollie Sykes uses his voice on this album is completely different. They're singing. Uh, he, you can tell that this album or this band, they just matured with this album. Um, and I, I think I remember, did we talk about this before? You've, you've heard the album, correct? Yeah. Um, I listened to it a bit when it first came out and I honestly haven't listened to it for months. So I don't quite remember it that well, but, uh, I don't dabble in metalcore as much as I probably should or even want to, but I listened to this album and it pretty much sideswiped me. Like I didn't quite know what to expect from it. And it kind of, I don't know, it kind of sucker punched me just what came from it. And I really, really enjoyed it, but uh, it just wasn't one that I really went back to throughout the year. Although, when we saw them at Warp Tour, it just reminded me why I was really impressed with them in the first place. Yeah, they put on a great live show. And the cool thing is that they've gone from being one of those bands that's kind of a joke to a lot of people to a band that people are starting to take seriously. And it's um, it's justified. And I, I I, I commend them for that, for not kind of falling into the trap of making the same album over and over again and just kind of living off the land in that aspect. And I, I felt, for me, like that these this album was going to be really hard for their fan base to swallow. And yeah, I'm, I'm pegging their fan base as a, a certain group of people. But it seems like the reaction has been pretty good. I mean, when we saw them, even they were playing those new songs and people seemed pretty, uh, pretty amped up about it. Oh yeah, they had a hell of a crowd too. Yeah, they really did. Um, and so, is this the best album of the year? No, um, but it's it's pretty great. And I keep going back to it and keep being amazed by what they did. And also, just content-wise, it's another one of those albums that's not kind of dealing with the general issues. I, I did some background reading on it just because I was so interested. It's it's kind of an angry album, but not in the way, not in like, ooh, I'm pissed off, chugga, chugga, chugga kind of way. Um, it... it um, I read some interviews with uh, Ollie Sykes, the lead singer, who's uh, talking about some of um, the drug issues he'd had and uh, messages he was being given while going through uh, rehab and how unhelpful those messages were that kind of led into this album, which I, I thought was really interesting because that's not really a side of the story that you hear very much. So um, anyway, it's something I was impressed with. Obviously, for a heavy album on this list, we could have gone with something like Deaf Heaven, uh, Sunbather, who everybody is crazy about. I love that album as well. Um, I'm not going to shoving down anyone's throat here um, but I just kind of wanted to touch on Bring Me the Horizon just because I feel like it's an album uh, that deserves some uh, praise that a lot of people may not be talking about at the end of the year so that uh, that wraps up the eight we were going to talk about and I just wanted to have each of us just take a few minutes and um, kind of spot off some uh, honorable mentions or ones that we uh, thought we should bring up because I know there were some others on your list so if you want to share a couple other albums um, I think one of the ones that came really close to it. It's Data Remembers Common Courtesy. Mm. Um, it was they. It actually just came out today in physical form, but they released it themselves a little less than a month ago. And uh, I've always been kind of a casual 
day to remember fan, but um, Common Courtesy is hands down their best album ever. It uh, just takes everything they've done and it finally gets it to a point where they have the sound they're made to make. And uh, lyrically, they've never done better. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I agree. It's definitely the best to date or remember album so far, bar none. The other one I can really think of is uh, Fall Out Boy's Pax AM Days EP. Uh-huh. Uh, the more I've listened to it, the more I've loved it. It's something they record over two days. They took like a month or two and uh, finally put it out. And the entire thing all together is seven minutes or so. But again, it's the band reinventing everything about themselves. They went from, they got rid of all the punk rock, got rid of all the pop, and now it's just a hardcore punk album, more in lines with something that you would expect from like just a really poppy uh, White Stripes song. Yeah, that actually, that was a really fun EP. Um, I, I really enjoy it, and it's cool that uh, Ryan Adams was a part of it too. Um, it's just I kind of geek out when bands and artists I like get together and do stuff like that so um so yeah um a couple others I I would mention I kind of touched on these earlier but the 1975's debut uh self-titled um fantastic album uh indie rock um and also Heim uh Days Are Gone um is pretty incredible they were just on SNL this weekend um did an incredible job they're a band that's gonna they're gonna be uh they're going to be well-known soon. Um, so that's uh, a really good debut for them. And I, I feel sick to my stomach that we didn't have like any hip hop albums that we've talked about yet. Um, and that's not really fair. Uh, Childish Gambino is putting out um, because the internet actually um, a couple weeks after we're doing this podcast, I've got a feeling that's going to end up on there. Um, I'm not sure. Have, do you listen to his music? I know you enjoy Donald uh, Glover's stand-up. Yeah, I listen to uh, Childish Gambino. Um, I'm not a huge fan, but uh, I do love him. Yeah. Um, Earl Sweats, uh, Earl Sweatshirts, Doris um, is a solid album. Kanye West, Jesus um, is another good one. I'm sure I'm missing a million others. Um, and of course, uh, like I said earlier, Deaf Heaven's Sunbather is an album that uh, needed to happen, <laughs> and it did. And um, if you haven't heard it, I definitely recommend checking out. It's like going to an art museum filled with really heavy music. And I don't really know a better way to describe it than that, but it's kind of a cool experience. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's worth checking out for sure. So yeah. Um, so those are some of our favorite albums. We're going to have some end of the year lists coming up on um, it's all dead.com. So be on the lookout for those. They're going to be a lot of fun. And as usual, Tell all your friends about our website and then come read our articles because we work really hard on them. And um, Kyle um, is going to have to um, sell his cat to orphans if you don't come and read our articles. So It's true. They're going to eat our feet. You don't want to see a cat with no feet. Yeah, that sucks. So anyway, cool. Um, well, thanks, Kyle. Um, it's been fun. And um, we're going to enjoy Thanksgiving in a couple of days. So. Yeah. Thank you, sir. All right. Um, be sure to check out the site, it's all dead.com, and catch us next time on the official It's All Dead podcast. Peace. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the official It's All Dead podcast. 
You can download our podcast at iTunes and find exclusive music news and content at www.itsalldead.com. <laughs>